Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That, the podcast that celebrates films we feel are underrated, underappreciated, underseen, or we just really, really wanted to talk about them. I'm your host, Alice Oliver. With me, as ever, is Josh Hallam. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. There he is. Josh picked this week's film and he went with Mouse Hunt from 1997. So let's get straight to it. So, Josh, you picked this week's film, Mouse Hunt, from 1997. So, spoiler warning, listeners, if you haven't seen it. So, Josh, tell us, what is this film about and why did you pick it? So, Nathan Lane and Lee Evans are brothers. Their dad has sadly recently departed. He has left them a few things in his will. One of them is a rickety old house. Both brothers have their own financial problems, so they begin to renovate the house after finding out that it is the missing house of a very famous architect and is worth a lot of money. In renovating the house, they discover that the house is actually sort of owned and ran by a mischievous mouse that makes their lives a living hell. Laughter and slapstick and shoes, and that is pretty much it. Um, I picked this for a few reasons. Firstly, it is sort of Christmassy, so Hope everyone had a good Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, it is set at Christmas. It's set around Christmas and New Year. Mm. It's not necessarily a Christmas film or about Christmas, but I thought it's appropriate for that period between Christmas and New Year when you want a film like this, a family film that everyone can enjoy. So it's um, not just because you love rodents. Rat race, rodents, mouse but, hunt. Yeah, that's huh? true. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I'll pick Ratatouille again. <laughs> not again. I'll pick it, I'll pick it soon. Um... <laughs> Secondly, Groundhog uh, Day. Sorry, yeah. I just had to. Yeah. I just, Second, on, secondly, I saw the critical reception for this and I think it's underrated. Interesting. And I don't think it's underseen because I think it was quite a box office success, relatively oh. speaking, when you consider the budget and stuff. Okay. So that's why I picked it. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's underrated. I mm-hmm. think it's appropriate for the time of year. And I do really like this film. But we'll come on to that. Had you seen this before? So I know I must have seen it because I knew, like I knew Lee Evans was in it. Like when you said Mouse Mm. Hunt, I was like, oh, that's the Lee Evans film. So I had like this vague 
real vague, like slight memory of it, but didn't really remember the finer details. Obviously, I think you can you can kind of gather a lot of what it's about just through the name almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I couldn't really remember it. So I went into it just kind of not really knowing much about it, not really know what, what to expect. Um, I went in with pretty low expectations. I thought this is going to be one of those kind of you know, family-friendly films that's leaning more towards the children where perhaps the humour and violence and all that is just really, really childlike and maybe there's not as much for the adults to get out of it. However, I did think that this was a brilliantly constructed film. The way it looked, the way the scenes flowed into one another, the use of the mouse, I thought was extraordinary. So this mouse steals the show. And it would have been half as good. The film actually wouldn't even have been a fraction as good if they hadn't dared, if they hadn't been bold enough to use a real freaking mouse that someone has trained. I see that, you know, in the credits, it says like that the animal kind of training company who did it. And it was just brilliant. Like all the way the mouse was involved with it. So obviously they move into this house and they think, you know, this is gonna, this is gonna be the solution to all their problems. Like, we need loads of cash. Let's do this house, do it up or whatever, sell it off to auction. And then lo and behold, this little cute but conniving mouse is actually, I live here, this is my house, and you need to get out of here. And what they did was they created a lot of these sort of miniature sets for the mouse. So the mouse has a little bed. He has a little duvet that he grabs onto when he gets scared of these two guys who are here to destroy his home. He's got like a little dresser and a little poster. And you just, you completely fall in love with this mouse. And you want, you're rooting for him. And it is his story, I thought. Like, if you go into this, like I, I never for one second thought that you'd be so not just rooting for the mouse, but like just connected to it. And the way that they brought this mouse character to life, I was just, I think, Josh, the problem was I went into it with such low expectations. I knew you would, that's why I picked it. Yeah, but then like with the as soon as the mouse came on screen, I was like, oh, and then that was it. Then it I was is. sold. It is, essentially, Home Alone, but it's a mouse serious Home Alone vibes, yeah. real Home Alone vibes. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and there were there really were quite a few things to like about it. And for me, this was the film that was the most difficult for me to not look at the critical reception mm. because it's one of those where you could see like, you know, you just think, I bet the critics fucking hated yeah. this. But I could see real value in it. Mm. And so I was like, I was desperate. But no, I managed to I managed to resist. So I don't know. So you can surprise me with that at the end. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised. I do have some, you know, criticisms. But we'll move on to those later. Josh, what is it that you love about this film? So aside from the adorable mouse... Oh. In oh, the, uh, who is the star of the film? So I mean, if he could win an Oscar, or she, it's probably multiple mice. Um, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> all dead, all very so, dead by now. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there's a theory about that which I want to come on to, which we'll come on to later on. But not about the, whether the mice in the film were actually dead. Immortal they, they, mice. they absolutely are. <laughs> <laughs> Their great grandchildren are dead at this point. That's the that's a morbid thought. Let's move on to what I like. Um, <laughs> so I think that this is genuinely really funny. 
I laugh at this yeah. film every time I watch it. It's a good family film, but there's also stuff in there for the parents, which I know we've said before about other films like The Road to El Dorado, but there's some great slapstick scenes in it. There's a lot of farce, a lot of slapstick in it. There's other types of comedy as well. There's great. There's a great script in there with actual jokes. Love the characterizations of the brothers, which I'm going to come on to in a minute. I can understand if you don't like slapstick, you might not necessarily like it, but there's other things in there. There's a lot of dry and sarcastic humor. As far as I've already said, there's some dark stuff in there. There's some gross-out humour in there as well. Slapstick does certainly lead the way, doesn't it? It does. And that is the primary. Well, and it, it does... It doesn't um, require see, the language, does it? So, so a lot yeah, of French When you've got a mouse as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of European films that are comedies um, are quite often... like. So I think I'm right in saying that a lot of European people like things like Mr. Bean. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it is, it's, just, it's just visual. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of this film is is that. So it's sort of meant to be, and I think this is on purpose, it's like a Laurel and Hardy film. Yes, I saw So the brothers look like uh, Laurel comparing. and Hardy. And, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, and yeah. one of them very much fits. So one brother, you got Na- you got Nathan Lane, he plays Ernie. He's the Oliver Hardy type, you know. He's, a corner my time. Yeah, yeah, Timon himself. <laughs> and did you notice Pumbaa was in the film? Uh, so I think I think I saw that afterwards, yeah, yeah. But I didn't notice it while it was happening. Who who did he play? He plays Who's the guy who again? works at the pound who gives them Catzilla. Oh yeah, he's like we're Catzilla. about to gas him again, gas yes. him again. That bit. Oh oh, I miss that um, scene. Reference, yeah. gotta love the reference. Um, so you got Nathan Lane. He plays Ernie. Who's you know he's dry. He's cynical. He is the Oliver Hardy character. He's he's very pretentious. He's off his own arse. He thinks he's better than the family. He thinks he's better than the family business because it's a string factory. Then you got Lee he's Evans. He's a big time chef. He's a big no, time yeah. chef. Things big go wrong. Chef. Things go wrong in his restaurant because it's yeah. a farce, and his reputation is on the line. So he's trying to rebuild mm-hmm. his reputation by doing up this house and hopefully selling the, the string factory. Their their father, who is in it throughout the film in flashback makes them promise not to sell the string factory because it means so much to him. They should run it as a family. It should be their family business. Then you've got Lee Evans. He is the Stan Laurel type. You know, he's very naive, optimistic. He's quite sweet-natured. Um, and both of them, Nathan Lane and Lee Evans, I mean, at this point, they're not superstars, especially not in America. You know, we all know Lee Evans in this country. Nathan Lane is a huge star, particularly in the theatre and musical scene on Broadway and stuff. But... They're not huge, huge stars. And I just think they do such a good job of carrying this film. They've got great chemistry. They're giving it their all in the slapstick scenes. There's absolutely no vanity. I mean, Lee Evans really reminds me of like Norman Wisdom, that sort of thing, that sort of performance. He's got that real likability and charm to his performance. And so does Nathan Lane as well in what he's doing. They're both great physical performers. There's bits in it where, you know, there's the bit where there's all the mousetraps and they're all stuck on the mousetraps and all that. It's just brilliant. It's just, I just think there's so many good slapstick set pieces. Couple of good cameos in there. The main one obviously being Christopher Walken. Wow. I mean, wow. He shows up as a, as a um, exterminator exterminator who the mouse tricks and essentially the mouse seems to ruin his life. 
by giving him a full full mental breakdown. (laughs) He brings this wonderful air where, you know, he knows what's what. Like the problem with uh, Lars and Ernie up to this point is they keep underestimating the mouse. It's just like, this is just a silly little mouse. We can just grab him and throw him down the toilet or whatever. But Christopher Walken comes in and he's like, no, you must move like the mouse. You must think like the mouse. Like he knows, he knows really what they're in for. And he plays this role so seriously. And from that comes its own branch of comedy, I thought. Not many people can do that role like Christopher Walken. He's in that Mm -hmm. bracket with people like Leslie Nielsen, isn't he, of like playing it so straight in a daft film. And so that it gives that air of strangeness and weirdness to it, but it's also brilliant and still really funny as well. Um, So yeah, I think it's really funny. I'm not even a massive slapstick fan, but I think this film is really funny. The way they build up using elements of farce and sort of show you with the camera what's going to happen. And you know things that are going to happen are going to happen. It's like watching, ironically enough, a Tom and Jerry cartoon or a or a Roadrunner and Why the Coyote cartoon. The other thing I like about it, which only adds to how funny it is and how good it it is, is, is the look and the sound of the film. So Alan's, I think it's Alan Silvestri, I think that's how you pronounce it. He does the music for this film. And I think he's one of the he's one of the big composers, don't get me wrong, he's done a lot of stuff. But I think he is underrated. I don't think he's ever put up there with John Williams and Hans Zimmer and people like that. But Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. But he's he does a great job in this. The music is brilliant. And mm-hmm. if you think he's also done, I believe. Back to the Future and the Avengers films and some of the Marvel films. Oh, really? Yeah, Ooh, and, and the music in this impressive. is brilliant. The director as well, it's very, very well directed. It's Gore Verbinski, who most people will know as doing the first three Pirates of the Caribbean films. But for something to be executed as well as I think this is, I think absolute credit to the director because it is very, very well directed. And it's his first film, which I think is, is just a, a massive achievement in itself. The look of the film as well. So something I hadn't noticed until I started looking at it with a more critical eye this time around and reading about it a little bit, is that it isn't set at any particular time. So Mm -hmm. it's not set... I don't think it's set in 1997. It is set at least in 1972, in the early to mid-70s, because they flip a coin and the coin has 1972 Ah, written on it. Very, very good eye you have Well, I didn't notice that. It's on IMDb. I'm not going to take credit for it. But but it was under the guise of... Um, well, this is why it's it's not set at any. Yeah. It's not, it's, when the heck it's is set, it set? Yeah, and, and there's yeah. no real, there's no technology in it. The phones in it are all landlines, all the clubs. Yeah. If I had to say when's it set, you would probably say, well, like maybe mid seventies. You would have certainly thought a few decades yeah. ago. The cars, the buildings, the, cars, the way the diners decked all the, all the, out, all the like costumes, decorations. all the suits and clothes yeah. are very seventies. Probably yeah, even yeah. earlier. Like if you said forties, if it wasn't for the coin, yeah, I'd, pro- I'd buy, I'd buy it. it. Yeah. And and I, yeah. there's something about that look that really adds to the charm of the film for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, that's everything I liked. I just think it's a really great film. It's funny. Mm-hmm. There's something in it for everyone. And I think people should um, should should seek it out and watch it. Because I would, you know, I don't have kids, but when I do, I, I can't wait to watch things like this with them. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to pick your brains about before we move on to the dislikes oh, is this. It's a theory mm-hmm. that I've come across. Again, online, IMDb and other, other sort of, bits of Reddit and things like that, which is this. Is the mouse the dad? Is he a reincarnation of the dad? And he is essentially punishing them for not being very good sons. It is a theory that is on the internet 
Okay. Because if you think about it, the mouse would appear to be immortal. Because the, the lawyer says something to them about the last owner was found locked in a trunk in the attic. Yeah. Now, mice yeah. live, I don't... It's like, it's about two or three years, isn't Couple it? Years, it's not yeah. long. So how is this mouse doing all these things? And I know this might seem like a stupid point because it is just a funny film about a mouse torturing some blokes. But I love that idea. I really love the idea that the, that the dad is, is reincarnated as a mouse and he's essentially teaching his sons a lesson for being shit sons. Certainly. And so it's not something that I'd considered at all. Uh, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if, if that, you know, if that is correct or if that is what they were going for. But one thing, the one, one of the main things that I took away from this film, basically, is that it's a really kind of silly and ridiculous idea that has been crafted by people who really know film. Yeah. Like the way each scene is designed, the way the action moves from one scene to the next, all these huge, like you said, set pieces, like putting all those mouse traps all over the floor and having this mouse sort of bounce down this bowl of cherries and like balance on a cherry and stuff. And all these just, it was just so full and wild and the props and the costume and everything. It was so, so busy and so brilliantly thought out and executed that I wouldn't be surprised if there was this extra layer to it. Because a lot of films, you know, people have their theories and it's like, oh yeah, did you know it was this guy doing this? And it's just like, oh, I don't know. Like, And then you you wonder, you've got to ask yourself, are the filmmakers, are the writers, the director, whoever it may be, are they thinking that deeply about it? But with this, I would think, maybe. Yeah. I'd like to think that. It's not unlike something like The Great Dictator. I'm perhaps not putting it in the same league as that in terms of the legacy of the film, The Great Dictator, but it is absolutely what you just said then, which is it is made and built by people who know structure and film. The premise is really, really simple, but it's executed really, really well. And it is that really great combination of that historic style of comedy, Laurel and Hardy, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, where you you take someone and you just make a fool out of them. And what you do is both the brothers are idiots, but you take Ernie and he's up here and he believes he's up here, but he's an idiot. Mm -hmm. But you have him speak as if he knows what he's doing. There's a bit where the mouse is going, where they've got all the mouse traps and he says something about the mouse is going for the cherries, a tub of cherries on the top. And he says, oh, and Lars says to him, I thought mice like cheese. And he says, no, cheese tires them out. They need fruit for energy. And it reminded me of things like Laurel and Hardy or more recently, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I know I've gone on about because I love it so much. But you take characters and you have them speak as if they know what they're doing, but actually mm -hmm. they're idiots. Yeah, certainly. And that brings them down a peg and people like to see that. Mm -hmm. And, and we, just... we know, the audience, we know that these guys don't know any better, but Lars doesn't know does he he doesn't yeah. know that ernie doesn't know everything yeah but it's that like it's that kind of big brother thing isn't it it's like when you grow up or whatever you think you think that your dad or you think that your older siblings kind of they know everything and then you get a bit older and you realize oh no they don't they're just bullshitting you most yeah. of the time and they have that real sort of chemistry i think um just going back to what you said about the score like it's relentless, isn't mm. it? And mm. there were times where I thought, why is this score so relentless? Why is there this 
almost permanent soundtrack, almost permanent music going on. And some part of my brain was being a bit cynical about it. It's like, is this to mask that the pacing maybe isn't there? Is it to try and speed things up? Is it to kind of draw you in and to make you kind of feel like you're along on this adventure, like you're along for the ride? But it also really, really worked. And it was a really quite striking sounds, very full sounds, you know, multiple instruments at once. And just really evocative, I think, and did a really, really good job at drawing you into this world. Um, the whole thing is obviously very big and cartoony. Everything is over the top. You know, I think you said before about this kind of um, scenery chewing like bad guys and stuff. And you've mm. got this guy, you know, who comes in to, to, he wants to take the house for auction and he's got this great big mustache and a huge fur coat. And he's like this huge kind of straight to the point guy. When they get in some, they get in some financial trouble or certain or they can't pay something off and they've got two days to be evicted. So the guy, the lawyer, whoever it is, comes to the front door and starts hammering this two-day notice into the door. And everything's just like really big and extravagant and over the top, which really lends itself to that kind of farce comedy. It's like, so then when things do go wrong, they go really, really wrong. And also there was just like some little details, just something I noticed. So Lee Evans, so Lars, his wife... I think, gets a bit pissed off that he sold the string factory or that he's planning to sell the string factory or something, right? It's that, she he won't, wants, it's that he won't that he sell won't the string sell it. Factory. Apologies, yeah. 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 And so they have this scene where she's basically like, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to move out, or I'm chucking you out, or she chucks him out, doesn't she? And then that's why they have to go and stay in this abandoned house that their dad has left for them uh, in the will. And just a little thing, but she was wearing all green in that scene and the room they were in was completely green. And so then I was just thinking like, oh, is she green with envy because she's so jealous of all these people that have got loads of money? Or is it because she's money obsessed and so all she sees is green <laughs> and everything she stands for is green? But I like to think, because of the way the film was constructed, that things like that were completely intentional and just... So many things like that, like the prop the prop choices, the costume choices, the mise-en-scene in general just did such a fabulous job. Like, it almost felt unreal. Like, it felt like you were watching a cartoon and then you'd sort of pinch yourself, remind yourself, no, this is live action. Like, they've Ooh. actually done this. They've actually got Christopher Walken falling through the, the ceiling and everything looked so practical. There was a few moments where the, the mouse and the cat, now the cat had a few more kind of puppet moments, I think, than yeah. maybe the mouse did. But there was some, I don't, don't know if it was CGI or if they just used puppets, but there were a few moments that weren't as real, but everything else just felt so real. I believe that these two guys were in this house causing all this chaos, making all this mess, because it's such a mess, isn't it, Josh? Yeah. It's just carnage. Oh, there's just everything. Windows are getting smashed. And... Yeah. It's Dust such and a poo mess. And yeah. Water and e <laughs> it's just everything everywhere, but it's just it it works. It toes the line between entertaining kids and adults. For me, I didn't sit there a bit like we said with Kevin and Perry, which I know isn't a family film. You no, definitely, definitely not. not. But it got that line between gross out. Kids will love that. The bit where they're covered in poo, kids mm. will think is funny. Whereas as an adult. You might, that might become a bit tiresome, but for me, it didn't. So we'll move on to talking about anything that we perhaps didn't like about the film or anything that we would change. And I have a funny feeling, Josh, that you <laughs> may not have much to say on this, but we'll come to you first. So was there anything for you? Why isn't there more of them? 
why is <laughs> no, it it's only not that. two hours yeah, long? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, not just no. There isn't loads that I didn't like about it. For, for the sake of again, we always try and find balance, don't we? So there's a, there's there's two things, I suppose. One. There is a lack of a strong female character. The only strong female character is Lee Evans's on-off seemingly wife, April, played by Vicky Lewis, and she is she is great in it. But she does seem to be one note. She basically seems to be a gold digger, essentially. Um, we don't know why that is as well. So if, she, if it's because of a reason, perhaps something in there, a bit more dialogue, a bit more exposition around why she's... But instead... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. She's just there to essentially complain that she's not rich enough. She even says to Lars at one point, there's no air in the middle class. So it's not even like they're poor. Um, so that was probably a bit of an issue. The only other female characters are there to just be foils, I guess. The two Belgian hair models as well are in it as uh, as well. Um, the, the other issue is just a general frustration, which is, and it's not something I particularly change. It's just, why didn't you just take the check? <laughs> just take, like, what the guy offers them, the guy that you talked about. 10 the big, million, Yeah, the big million, guy offers yeah. them $10 million, and they're like, no, just go to auction. Yeah. To which I sort of think, why wouldn't you just take that? Because you've got no because guarantee. Because the film of, needs to happen. Because the film needs to happen. <laughs> it's like we've talked about before. It's like, well, why would, you know, if something was going on in the background, why wouldn't you just be honest and tell people? Because we're here to talk about the plot of the film, and that is the plot of the film, so it's, it's sort of an irrelevant point. But it is just something where I was like, oh, why don't you just take the money? Like, just take it. You'd have been 10 million quid richer off. But other than that, the main issue is probably the lack of a stronger, more substantial female part. What about you? 
Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Obviously, the the women that were in it were the very, very small parts and either not likable, like you say, or like the two hair models didn't really speak much English and you didn't really get much character development. None of the women in this film went on a journey they were at all. purpose, yeah, they're just there. Yeah, yeah. So there was that. Um, for, so for me, it just wasn't funny enough. So for me, a lot of the enjoyment... <gasps> I know, I know. But I've said before, I'm not huge on gross out. Um, slapstick is fine but it's kind of like once you've seen one you've almost seen it all yeah, type of thing yeah. uh, so for me it wasn't really laugh out loud funny but that's after I got over that that is where I was getting the enjoyment from the enjoyment for me came from the look of it from the design of it from this incredible effort that I could see that had gone into the score into the props into the costume and things like I thought as I was watching it it felt like this blend of Casper Muppets Christmas Carol Home Alone A Nightmare Before Christmas and a bit Edward Scissorhands all at the same time and that kind of evokes a kind of air to it and a sort of feel I guess all those films I mentioned were kind of mid to late 90s as well so it really had that feel to it without feeling dated. Like it didn't feel like it had aged poorly. Like it, I didn't feel like the jokes had aged poorly and that's not why I enjoyed them. I think the joke, they were just quite childish, I suppose. They were quite childish jokes. It was like, here's, here are the jokes for the kids, but here's some like big action and some nice cars and some interesting costume for the parents to enjoy. But that was it, really. Like, I was really just so pleasantly surprised. And I've just got to say again, one last time, that mouse. Oh, <laughs> I just loved it so much. And like, I, I mean, I think it's a real skill for you to be able to connect so deeply with an animal character who isn't speaking. Yeah. Like, it's different when you're watching something like Homeward Bound. And like, obviously, we all fall in love with Shadow and he's the greatest dog ever. And oh my God, when he's in that mud pit, I just, my heart breaks. Do you know what I mean? No, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. But this mouse, right. oh, it's okay. Um, We're not talking about Homeward Bound. No, no, maybe next week. Um, but the mouse, like the mouse doesn't speak. The mouse doesn't have a name. It, and yet you, you're just completely behind it. And the you, mouse is and the you, good guy, right? And you empathise as well. It's like, yeah, you would be pissed off if these guys just lay claim to your home and decided, oh, we live here now. And it's almost like the two brothers, they are like cutting their nose off to spite their face. Like they completely destroy their surroundings and the building because they get pissed off at the mouse just because he keeps them awake one night. Well, the first night they're there, isn't it? Because they've been chucked out of their respective properties. And they like they can hear this mouse noise. It's like, oh, what's that noise? So then that's it then. They've got this vendetta. They're completely hellbent on killing this mouse. Um, but if they could just live peacefully side by side, there would have been no issue. And you wouldn't have destroyed your whole freaking property, you silly billies. But in the end... They they invent cheese string, so ah yes, the invention of cheese string, <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, and everyone can live in harmony because then they do, don't they? The mouse hangs out with them. He's their little consultant. I suppose it gets a little bit ratatouille at the end there. Doesn't it does it? actually, yeah, because he's yeah. there with them and they're making the cheese. But yeah, a nice ending. Everyone lives happily ever after. So before we go on to the critical reception, you ready? From one rodent's house to another. Mm -hmm. Alice, I believe you've got something for us. Very good. Thanks for that leading, Josh. It was flawless. Profesh, so, yes. profesh. We are about to head down the rabbit or mouse hole for this segment that we'll call Alice Down 
the mouse hole. So, for this segment of Alice Down the Mouse Hole, we're going to explore the life and times of Ernie and Lars's lawyer, an actor named Eric Christmas. No prizes for guessing why I picked this chap. Eric was born in London in 1916. He started off as a theatre actor in the 30s and during the Second World War joined the Royal Air Force production units, which mostly produced propaganda films from 1941 to 1945. After the war, he moved to Canada and started associating with comedians, which eventually led him to creating his own comedy show called Christmas is Coming, which toured around Canada in the 50s. Eric had a long and varied career spanning across film and television, but one of the more interesting things about him was his son, Stephen Christmas. Now, Stephen was the first person to be properly diagnosed with haemophilia B, and the condition is also known as Christmas disease. Because of this festive yet brutal ailment, Stephen often had to have blood transfusions and ended up receiving blood that was infected with HIV during a time when screening wasn't common. He then became an active worker for the Canadian Haemophilia Society and campaigned for transfusion safety ever since getting infected. Sadly, he developed AIDS and died in 1993, leaving behind a legacy that has surely saved countless lives. And that was Alice Down the Rabbit slash Mouse Hole. Eric Christmas, you say? Eric Christmas. Any relation to Arthur? Uh, not that I know of, <laughs> but possibly. <laughs> what a name. A festive treat for this festive time of year. Absolutely brilliant. That was probably, that might be the most, that's got to be the most research you've done for one so far, right? You went into the guy's son and his medical history. Have you that broken, we, uh... like, have you broken data protection for this one? I don't think so. I believe all this stuff is readily available on the internet. So obviously, listeners, do take everything I say with a pinch of salt, but it is just stuff that I've read off internet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so we'll move on now to talking about the critical reception. So, Josh, you say that you have picked this because you do believe that it is underrated. So shall I hazard, I'll hazard a bit of a guess as to what this may have got. So I feel like, yes, it probably did quite badly. I feel like this is one that perhaps missed the mark with the critics and maybe didn't straddle the line between parent-friendly and child-friendly enough for it to really be a hit with the viewers. If I was marking it myself, I think I'd push into the sevens, you know, low to mid seven. I think there are some really high quality things about this film. However, I don't think that that's what it got. I reckon we're probably looking at about a five and I'm going to say five and we're going to sit on five. So go on. Bang on five. Give it to me. Bang Bang on five. five, A 5.0. Okay. Well, at the time of recording in this festive period, IMDb gives it a average score of 6.5. Okay. However, over on Rotten Tomatoes... Oh, here we are. We've had a family row. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone's had a few too many. Mm. You know, the turkey was overcooked. <laughs> because the audience give it 49%. Okay. And the critics give it... 44%. Okay. Which wow. averages out, if you take those three into account, around 52%. Yeah. For me, I think it's easy. That is hugely underrated for me. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Re- it's it's interesting, isn't it? And I I it's weird because I can see like I could see that the critics wouldn't like it. I could mm. see it, but then while simultaneously seeing the quality of it and I wonder if maybe it just wasn't what people expected or if because the concept 
the concept is quite daft and the concept is quite simple. But the execution, I think, is brilliant. And I think those scores completely dismiss that. So I do think it's underrated as well. So I had a little look at what their issue was. Because when I was choosing this, I did look at the scores because I I wanted to know. I suspected, like you, that it it was probably poorly received, but I wanted to know how how much so. When I saw that straight away, I was like, well, I'm picking it then because for me, I think that's that's criminal. So their main two issues are, they said it was repetitive. It might be repetitive, but... Slapstick, no notoriously repetitive it is repetitive but you know what Mm -hmm. so is a james bond film or any superhero film tell me about it Um, (laughs) you're telling me marvel is all unique yeah exactly come on things have formulas that work right yeah the second one was they they sort of intimated that it got caught up in its own antics it got caught up in just showing set pieces which i don't think it's true because i think that is the point of the film and the third thing is that the cgi was really bad now there's the odd bit of CGI in it that is a bit crap. There's a bit yeah. where the, the cat is in the box and it sort of punches its arms and legs out yeah, and sure. walks off and it does look a bit rubbish. But in no way did, did that take me out of it. I've seen films which are far, we've had far worse CGI in them than this. So well, I just and, I just disagree. I just completely disagree with that take for me. And it's just the CGI isn't prominent. Like it... it there's not loads in it. No. There's not loads in it at all. Like, for most part, that's a real cat and a real mouse. And if there's bits where there is a CGI mouse running around, I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's definitely bits where there's a CGI mouse, you know, when it's sitting on his shoulder or when it's doing stuff sure. that a but mouse can literally can't that, do. Right, yeah. But I wasn't sitting there going, oh, stay at that Mouse. Yeah, like, Ni- are you kidding? 1997 CGI, exactly. Hell. So for me, amazing they did anything. For me, I think where's your Christmas spirit, critics? <laughs> it's a great film, and <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's up there with the great family films. I know you didn't love it as much as me, but it is nowhere near that bad. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Definitely being in the forties down there, that's very very harsh. So there we go, another one in the underrated vault. And I am so glad because my soul would have died a little bit if that hadn't made it in there. What? Hey, what did you think I was going to No, I wasn't like, sure. Think... I, I was not sure. I just thought yeah. I just liked it. Sometimes you pick a film because I do have quite a lot of affection for this film. I do think I saw it mm-hmm. in the pictures when I was a kid and I do, I've, I've watched it, you know, a few times and all that sort of thing. So I think I just had some affection for it and didn't want yeah. my dreams to get stomped all over by oh, you. Oh, imagine. Imagine um, if I'd have hated it. Exactly. But um, I didn't. There you go. So the next episode then will be the 1st of 2022. Happy you, New Year. Happy, happy New, New Year, Year indeed. I won't pick an ABBA-themed film. <laughs> <laughs> you have the honour of taking us into 2022. <gasps> it's going to be strong. It's got to be strong. You're going to be cool. you got to be so- what are we having? What are we starting off 2022 with, Alice? Well, I hope this impresses you, everyone, but I am going to pick for our first episode of 2022, The Beach. The Beach? So, you know, middle of winter, you're feeling cold, maybe picture yourself on a nice paradise island somewhere. So there you go, The Beach. We will be starting off 2022 with a little bit of Leo. Mm-hmm. Young and- Leo as well. 
I don't think, I mean, me and you have definitely not done a Leonardo we have not. film. We have We're not. well overdue because he is, he is one of the goats as far as I'm concerned. Well, there we go. So join us in 2022 for our first episode of the year, which will be The Beach. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, then the email address is filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias and we will be all through next year, hopefully. Um, so search for Just Films and That Pod and we'll be there. We try and put out some content and we will continue to do that. But we'd love to hear from you, so do get in touch. Let us know what films you'd like us to do in 2022. Until then, it remains for me to simply say, have a wonderful new year. Let's hope 2022 we start a little bit stronger than we did this year. <laughs> but Alice, thank you very much for joining me this week. And thank you very much for joining me throughout 2021. And thank you so much, Josh. And a happy new year to all our listeners. And thank you so much for sticking with us yeah, all the way you. through 2021. Yeah. Here's to many more happy years. Uh, thank you very much from me. Cheerio. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.